Hey, Parker. Hey, Carrie. How's it going? It's it's going well. And I guess today we're doing a podcast that we could not have done until now. Absolutely. Reason to be revealed in a moment, including the fact that on today's podcast, we have a very, very special guest that I'm excited <laughs> about. So welcome to The Growing Edge. I'm Parker Palmer. And I'm Carrie Newcomer. To the words and habit to us and how we live between the words. Well, the very special guest that I mentioned uh, is, in fact, Carrie Newcomer. And Carrie, I hope that doesn't come as a surprise to you. (laughs) Well, it's great to be a guest on the show with you. Well, Well, we're so glad to have you here. We being me, in this case, uh, have really been looking forward to, to talking with you about three things, at least. One is the new album, which is called Until Now. The second is the new book of poetry, also called Until Now. And the general topic of creativity. Um, mm-hmm. It's a topic of interest to many, many people because everybody has some form of creative life. And it's important that we uh, keep connected to it, that we open the channels to it, whether you're a parent or a teacher or a friend or a problem solver or a nature lover. Creativity is part of your life as you seek to bring new life into the world. So I think there's a lot to be learned here for all of us, even if we're not songwriters and poets. Um, One of the things that I love about your poetry and your lyrics is that they always come out of your lived experience, and and in that sense are about your life, but they're always so spacious and welcoming that listeners and readers can easily find their own lives in your lyrics and in your poems, which is one of the great functions of art. I think it helps us find our own lives from a new angle, on a new level, in a new way. So... Until Now is not a COVID collection of poems or songs, but but both the poems and the songs came together for you during the past 18 months. So Mm -hmm. I'd I'd love to know your take on the story of the period of time during which you clearly opened the creative channels in yourself and came up with this beautiful, beautiful new album and equally beautiful book of poems. Oh, well, thank you, Parker. I just so what a, what a lovely way to, you know, open the conversation today. And, and yes, I, I really appreciate what you said about, yes, it comes out of lived experience. But, you know, as a writer, as a songwriter and a poet that, you know, it's always with a, a lens toward the shared human condition, you know, where, where does my story intersect with your story? That's, you know, that's what's interesting and exciting and creative for me. Mm-hmm. So um, maybe maybe as before we dive right in, we could just play a little bit of the music. Um, perhaps a song called A Long Way Up. It's a song that opens the album, and it really is a lot about being in process and was written in the last 18 months. So... Um, that sounds good. In, in, in fact, I've heard that, heard that song several times. I love it. And, it. and it is about the experience many of us had 
during the last year and a half. So yeah, let's do it. Here in the great unraveling So much of this is baffling When breathing feels like gambling Nowhere to go but here Things come together then fall apart So that was a long way up, and uh, the song was was written, you know, during the last eighteen months. There've been hard days and good days. Good, you know, good days when we were learning something, uh, discovering something, um, uh, you know, digging into something that was uh, here and daily and now. Um, but there were also really hard days. You know, there were bad COVID days, and I, I think most of us experienced that as well. And on kind of one of those hard COVID days, my husband, Robert, and I, uh, we live out in the middle of the woods and we went out uh, for a walk together because being out in the natural world is a really quite literally grounding experience for me. And he had brought along his iPhone and he he pulled up Sam Cooke's You Send Me. You know, you send me. Darling, you send me, honest you do. And, you know, he put it in his pocket and we slow danced out there in the middle of the woods. <laughs> and it was like, ah, yes. Yes to the people who walk with us on the hard days. Yes to those who uh, are willing to take a turn to, to an old song. Um, yes. It, so it was, it was a song of, of yes. It's going to be all right, but it's a long way up from here. Mm. So, so that was that was the background to the song. And yes, to dancing in the woods and dancing in the kitchen and dancing anywhere you can get your feet on the ground, right? That's right. For everybody, yeah. Sharon and I have done some dancing in the kitchen in recent months, and it's 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 a wonderful release uh, for all kinds of things. So, I know that. In the last 18 months, there have been some really, really hard things for you, Carrie, as there have been for so many people. Personal losses of folks you love who are no longer with us. Professional Mm -hmm. slowdowns and losses uh, from your touring life, uh, your your ability to be face-to-face with groups, with retreats, for example, of the sort we did. Yeah. It's the growing edge until COVID struck. So we all know that this has not been a time without struggle or or has not been a time when you transcend struggle with ease. 
we, it is a long way up, and we have to work our way up sometimes. So what I'm interested in is what happens inside of you that, that takes you to this, these creative possibilities where, as the old alchemists claim to do, you could, you could turn dross into gold. You know, you could turn base elements into something precious and valuable, which is, to me, what art does. So what goes on inside of you that takes you in that direction rather than just, you know, leaving you, as some of us end up for a while at least, collapsed in the corner in a heap on the floor? Well, there were those days, too. (laughs) Right. Uh, I don't know how many tutorials I had to do on streaming. (laughs) working online yeah there yeah yeah there was there was that too um but i guess personally my response often to whatever is happening in my life whether it's um what's difficult what's a challenge questions that i'm beginning even just beginning to ask um you know the things that make me laugh that delight me you know you know my my first response is is a creative response and uh, and it was interesting this time around, though. It, it, it didn't happen in the ways that it, it usually happens for me. Songwriting is kind of like breathing for me. I'm just kind of always songwriting. And songwriting came hard, um, which was a big shock to me. Uh, it did come, but songwriting came hard. And that's why there's a, a companion book of poetry with this particular album, uh, Until Now, New Poems, because um, much of this kind of being in process, how do I respond to what's happening to me, uh, to those around me, to the world, um, you know, it came in poetry this time. Uh, and that was really, that was really flowing. So many of the songs began with these poems, or that's where I first, you know, started to ask the questions or find my way in to the song. So, mm-hmm. um, so that was an interesting thing. Um, but my first response is really often in some creative fashion. Can I yeah. sing about what, it? You know. What interests me about that, Carrie, is that when you found one channel of creativity, at least partly blocked, you turned to another one. Yes. Uh-huh. Rather than rather than throwing your hands up and saying, "Oh, my creativity is gone. All is lost." You know, for a while. And and that's a scary process when something that always. You know, like, oh, and you you consider this is me. This is how I this is how I operate in the world. This is always, you know, that that kind of an idea uh, in terms of how you think of yourself and how you operate in the world. You know, the last eighteen months, I think that came got turned on end for a lot of folks. You know, the the way that we do our lives changed dramatically, um, and for some of us, irrevocably. You know, so. That, that idea of finding a new channel. And there were days where the songs weren't coming and the poems weren't coming. So what's the risk? Well, I think I'm going to make a new soup recipe today, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put together a book of, of soup recipes for a, a, a benefit project I do for a food bank. And uh, responding creatively is really um, good for me. And it really is how I'm kind of, you know, I'm geared. But this was interesting because when one channel was not really operating like it usually does, um, to look around myself and say, ah, a new knitting project, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, 
just how I creatively was creating community. Oh my gosh, we had so many online euchre games, (laughs) (laughs) which is such a Midwestern thing. You know, anybody not in the Midwest, it's like a, a game, a card game that you have to play or they make you, you know, move to another part of the country. Um, so, so creative community and uh, people, and then people were doing a lot of that. You know, what, what is the channel that I can stay resilient, stay grounded, stay um, connected? Those yeah. were really important questions for all of us. Yeah, I like that a lot. And again, I hear a clue in there um, that others of us, including myself, could use. You know, I'm very fond of quoting William Stafford, the great poet, who was once asked, how did you, how did you write so many wonderful poems, Bill? He said, oh, that's easy. I just lowered my standards. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, of course, there's a, there's a big joke at the heart of that, which is why we laugh. But once you do this, you realize you're, you're really not lowering your standards. You're just finding it's like water will seek a way to flow. Water will seek to escape whatever is confining it. And this urge to life that is is at the heart of being human um, will find a way to, to flow if you allow it in your own mind and in, in your own consciousness. So a soup, a new soup recipe, uh, or any of the uh, or knitting something um, can stand in for the poem that's not coming or the song that's not coming, which is a very different response than falling into despair over feeling that my main creative channel is blocked. And now I'm lost. I don't know who I am. I don't know what to do. I mean, again, to translate it into ordinary life, as many of us have have lived it, when my kids left home, I remember yeah. thinking, mm-hmm. oh, now who am I when I'm not a parent? You know, because yeah. that was such an important part of my identity. But there's, there's always a new channel for that water of life to seek, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Um, and, and I just, I think that's important. And in this past 18 months, um, there's a line in one of the songs um, called A Wolf at the Door that says, we can't just be healed, we must be transformed. I guess this was a continuing thing. There's another song called I Will Sing a New Song that, um, that was inspired by a Howard Thurman poem. And it starts out, you know, I don't know how. I don't know how. No, I don't know how. I've never done this before, at least until now. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us, um, oh, I've never had to do this like this mm-hmm. before. And and also, I, I think, you know, in terms of questions, you know, we live very busy lives and the perpetual motion machine of our culture, um, for a lot of us, some of our main outlets for, I don't know, what's your coping strategy? Mm-hmm. All our good and our healthy ones, the ones that, you know, okay, I, you know, I go to the gym, you know, whatever it is, uh, we're not available. So I think there, there's been a lot of exploration. There's been a lot of growing edge stuff like, okay, uh, here's my healthy coping strategies. Here, here's my unhealthy ones. And they just showed up at the door. You know, mm, yeah. and and so how do I work with that? Yeah, so, exactly. And it reminds me really of where we originally came up with the idea of the growing edge, which was from Howard Thurman's writings. 
in a beautiful quote where he says, in the middle of death, the growing edge is the birth of a child or, yeah. or, or, or the coming into the world of, of something new. That's life's eternal answer to death. And I think yes. what I hear you saying is that the, the staying on that growing edge has a lot to do with giving ourselves permission to find a new route again for that that water of that unstoppable water of life until we decide to stop it in in one way or another, um, and I it, it it just strikes me as something that a lot of us can be be doing. What's what's the new opening for this for for the life power within me, and how do I get the monkey off my own back about X having been taken away from me and somehow imagine that Y, Z, and the rest of the alphabet is not available because it is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how about some more music? Sounds good. So I, I'd maybe like to play a little bit of a song called Like Molly Brown. And this is another, so many of my songs, I just have to this, you know, fess up here. Um, you know, they come out of our conversations. They've come out of conversations we've been having for a long time, conversations we've been having uh, during the last 18 months, conversations we've had here on the podcast. You know, it's, and, and one day you texted me and said, well, Carrie, I was talking about some creative thing I was trying to do. And, um, you know, maybe the 95th, like, YouTube tutorial I'd been looking at. And you said, well, Carrie, you're just a Molly Brown. Yeah, I said, you remind me of the unsinkable Molly Brown, which is emblazoned mm -hmm. in my memory because I was on the Titanic, as I, <laughs> maybe you don't know. <laughs> anyway, oh, my gosh. That's where Molly Brown got famous. But I love this song about all the ways we can be Molly Brown, unsinkable in our own lives. Yeah, so uh, after I got that text, I went out again for a walk. I, I, I went out on, on a walk with my dogs, and I just started singing. Um, you know, out there in the woods with me and the squirrels and the dogs and which sometimes, you know, that's sometimes how a song will start for me. And uh, I'm going to live my life like Molly Brown, picking up an oar when the ship went down, you know, mm -hmm. so um, so it became a song about resilience. Uh, and also, it really features a lot of really strong women. You know, I've been having conversations with a lot of women who said, okay, here we are, roll up the sleeves, make things work take care of the kids, you know, get organized the pantry. You know, it's like, but so it was kind of, like I said, a song about resilience, a song about the horizon that we keep rowing toward, um, about the ancestors who worked so hard and came so far for us that, you know, the shoulders we stand upon, you know, mm -hmm. to kind of honor that as well. And, but in a way that felt just really like a celebration of it all. Yeah, well, let's hear it. Like Molly Brown.
song is that the music itself has the energy to become more of a Molly Brown in your own life. You know, it's a, it's a dancing in the kitchen or dancing in the woods song, among other things. But just the energy of the music itself, the beat, the, the arrangement, the beautiful instrumentation. Thank you. I mean, it's all there. It's all there. It's, it's the whole kielbasa, as we say in Wisconsin. Oh, uh, uh, well, it was fun. And it was fun to record that recording. Um, I worked with the most wonderful musicians. I always, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I have had the opportunity to work with so many fine musicians, uh, and this particular group was, was just a wonderful. Um, individually, each one was just beautiful and brilliant and unique, and as a group, really worked in just, you know, yeah, this kind of magical way. And it was right after we'd all been vaccinated. So it was one of the first times we could be in the studio and actually making music together. There was a sense of joyousness about it. And I think you hear it in that in that last song. Uh, Paul Cowart, uh, Jordan Tice, our, our wonderful Gary Walters, who people hear always uh, on this podcast, and um, Ali Summers, who played that fiddle, that just kind of um, really rollicking uh, fiddle on the last song. Yeah, if we could pour a, a, a bunch of uh, Alley's spirit into the national water supply, we'd we'd come alive <laughs> as a as a country in new and wonderful ways. I know several of those people, so I can imagine, and I can hear what a joyful session that must have been. Uh, yeah, and I should mention, you know, there's there's a line in that song that came out of this podcast. You know, uh, we had a wonderful conversation with Valerie Cower and. Yeah. And uh, she t- she talks about um, breathing, breathe and push. You know how how our work rowing toward that horizon um, that we have to um, take in and take a moment, uh, recharge, uh, revive, and also when we really push and we you know so it's like instead of breathe and push there was a, there was um, pull and rest, pull and rest, rest and pull. So it was like thank you to Valerie on that one. Yeah. Well, you know, Carrie, you keep illustrating something that's always struck me about you and your creative process, is that you're engaged in that in that process, not only during the times that you're actually writing and focusing and putting the pieces together, but 
You engage in it every day by being very observant of all the little pieces that are out there that might someday become part of, of, of a creation, of a new creation for you. You see the little things that, that matter, and you, I think in some way you, you honor them, you make a deep bow to them in the moment, uh, no, matter, no matter what's going on, a comment on a podcast or a note that I might drop you on text or in email, you, you note those things. You're a scavenger, really. You know, you're like a As magpie. All artists are. As all <laughs> know, artists are. It's like, I, it's it, all... Though I remember talking to a pastor once when, he's, when he retired from being a pastor <clears throat> and didn't have to write um, a sermon every Sunday. He said, whew, I can stop thinking of everything that happens to me as a possible sermon. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly, yeah. And I think probably songwriting and poetry writing um, have asked me to be more present. It's like, um, I think my probably my most consistent spiritual practice has been songwriting and poetry writing mm -hmm. because it asked me to be present, asked me to be here. It asked me to open my heart in a way that takes in life the hard and the good and the easy and the delightful, the grievous. I mean, just to open to all of it and to pay attention. You know, I've taught songwriting workshops uh, from time to time, and I usually say you can't write a song if you weren't there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like if you're two hours behind at what someone said or did and if you're two hours ahead and whatever you're worried about, um, you miss the right. saddest days of my life are the ones when I got to the end and said, dang, I think I missed it. Yeah. You know? um, and being an artist, being a writer, being a poet has probably encouraged me in ways mm -hmm. that I, I would call my most consistent spiritual practice. Yeah. And I, I wanted to share a, just a little example from my own non-songwriting life. Although with your help, I did write one song and I'm, I still yeah. haven't heard from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I that? check the mail every day with great, with great <laughs> hopefulness. So feeling a little draggy a few months ago in, in the way one does sometimes these days, I decided to revive uh, an old semi-hobby of mine, which is to get out my camera and on my neighborhood walks, where I'm now never without my camera, Take not the big vista scenes, uh, but take yeah. macro photos, close-up photos of the insides of blossoms and all the amazing details about flowers, about the color, the, the saturated color in, in the sun up against the dark background of the shadows inside the place where they're growing. Wow. And I now have a, a collection. I add to it almost every time I go out. And I can't, I can't exaggerate the, the amount of peace it brings me to have those images in my head, to be paying attention to the little stuff. You know, because when I write a book, um, I'm paying attention to some little stuff, stories that will illustrate my point and so forth. But it, it's often big picture stuff, democracy, education, community, leadership, uh, big picture stuff illustrated with microcosmic examples. But I've just loved rediscovering in this time the little things that a, a camera, in my case at least, helps me pay attention to. 
that otherwise would just escape my notice and, and not be available to me mentally, psychologically, spiritually as, as part of the journey of life. So again, I think so much of this translates into other forms of creativity for those of us who aren't book writers or songwriters or poetry writers. And that's a that's a a great suggestion for our listeners, you know, to in most phones have cameras now, to take a walk and mm-hmm. to take pictures of something close up, like an inch, two inches. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my poor daughter, I I have very few like pictures of things like Christmas and holidays and birthdays, but I've got a lot of moss and rocks and you know. <laughs> tree bark, you know. Um, But I think that's a great encouragement to those who are listening today. Try it. Try going out and and doing parkers, walk around the block thing. I think you have a song that actually speaks to that about what you won't see on cable news. That that song really struck me. Well, it's a poem, actually. Oh, Um, oh, let's hear it. it's It's a poem, and... Can I just, while you're looking for it, I'll just interrupt to say that when I blurbed these two wonderful creations, the album and the book of poetry, I said, you know, when you hear Carrie Newcomer sing, you're hearing poetry. And when you read her poetry, you're hearing music. So uh-huh. it's no wonder yeah. that I confused a poem with a song because it's all so musical for me. Well, well, thank you, Parker. You know, it means a lot. Um, okay, well, this is, this is called uh, What You Won't Hear on Cable News. I want to tell you what you won't hear on cable news. About a young woman in an airport who was so exhausted and harried by hours of delay, by wrangling an overtired toddler, that when her little boy finally and completely melted down and planted himself on the floor, she sat down beside him and started to cry. I want to tell you about the five random women who immediately flowed in from all directions. One pulled out a little toy from her purse. One offered a snack or to go get something to drink. One who called the child honey, wiped his nose with a tissue, and offered another to the grateful mother. And the one who asked if it was all right to walk hand in hand with the child right there at the gate, close by and always, always in sight. I want to tell you about a man who makes soup and bread and then gives it away, and about the nurse who held his hand when he was breathless and afraid. I want to tell you about my neighbor who drives around all winter with snow chains in his car just in case someone needs help. I want to tell you about all the people I meet who keep extending themselves and braving the risk of being told it's none of their business, who offer a hand or a bit of encouragement, or a couple of bucks, who will walk a fussy child around a gate because it's the kind thing to do. I want to tell you that the world still turns every single day on an axis of goodness and unexpected grace that shows up without fanfare and often where you least expect to find it. Beautiful. Thank you. Powerful reminder, life-giving reminder, both a a result of creativity and an inspiration for creativity. And the creativity in those five women who came to help 
yeah. to surround and, and support and just offer simple love. It's a beautiful story. Well, I think that's something um, often my poems and my songs are reminders to myself. I think we've talked about it before that um, I don't write songs and poems because I have an answer. I, I do it because I have a question. And often they're reminders to myself to continue to ask the question, where, what is life-giving? What is sustaining? Where is hope found? What does it mean to be um, a good friend, a good partner, a good citizen? There's a, a lot in this these two um, companion pieces that are about being in process, you know, and being vulnerable with that idea of being in process. That um, there's a poem, the first poem in the book is, I'm learning to sit with not knowing. Because um, I think it's taken a lot of self-compassion, being able to, to operate in a time when uh, there was so much uncertainty yeah. um, and so much to process that something would come at me and, you know, that idea of wanting to always rise to the best, to my best self, but not always doing it. It's like, all right, this was a bad day, um, mm. but wanting to and and then learning from the process. So, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot about being in process. There's a lot about being vulnerable uh, a lot about where do we find that life-sustaining um, resilience and hope. And there's also some humor in it because um, I, I think you and I share that too. I think it's really important. It's really important to be able to laugh at myself. Yeah, um, I had the, the, the song where you talk about trying to be the person your dog thinks you are. I, I laughed so loud I had to start the song over so I could hear hear the whole thing. So yes, amen, amen to humor. Let's let's talk about why it's hard for us to be in process. Why it's hard to sit with not knowing. I mean, I guess the first thing that comes to me, Carrie, is that we're we're so programmed to to try to bring things to a conclusion. You know, we're we're so processed to having to know the answer. Yeah. We're so programmed to having to know the answer that just holding to the process, uh, you know, giving ourselves permission for slow growth, for slow awakening, for for slowly coming to insights that have been kind of blocked from us for many, many years. I mean, I see that as our national condition. Yeah. There, there's so much, if you have an open mind and heart, there's so much we're learning about the United States of America in the last mm -hmm. few years where we, we really should be asking, why didn't I know this all along? You know, Why didn't I know about the many, many levels of injustice in this country all along, yeah. about the ways in which it's never, that fundamental injustice on which we were founded has never really gone away but has morphed into other forms. Why didn't we know? And then there are so many people whose reaction to that is to get defensive yeah. and, and say, don't try to tell me that kind of stuff. I'm not guilty for anything, so forth and so on, which is, which is sheer resistance to being in the process of knowing. What, what's so scary about knowing? Wouldn't we be better off if we knew what the reality is and then could 
you know, invest our best selves into transforming it into a reality that works better for everyone. Um, Where's the resistance coming from? And I think, okay, you and I, you know, you're an author and, um, you know, I'm a folk singer. I've been flying by the seat of my pants my entire adult life. (laughs) It's like, okay, how to make this work in the world. Um, And, you know, how to make a life in the world as an artist that was not really set up for artists. So, so, you know, there's been a lot of that negotiation um, and, and learning to be okay with it. But I think, I think kind of going back to what you were saying about the resistance to it, um, you know, that idea you talk about befriending our mistakes. I don't know. There's, there's a part of Carrie that, that, you know, really hates to make mistakes, especially if they affect somebody else, you know. And um, I have a lot of resistance to that, you know, being in process with what just happened. That Was that a mistake? Or did I, why didn't I know that before? Um, it takes a lot of, of being willing to be in process. Also, I think some real self-compassion. Of course you didn't know. I remember reading uh, something by Mark Nepo, our, our wonderful friend and, and poet. Uh, he was talking about a rose, that how beautiful a rose is at each stage of its opening. The bud, it's open a little bit more, a little bit more. And at any moment in that opening, it is open as much as it can be at that time. And, you know, I, I remember reading that and, and, you know, putting my hand on my own heart and saying, Carrie, you know, you're as open as much as you can be right now, and you're learning how to open farther. And that's okay. There's there's purpose in each each stage of that, and there's beauty in each stage of that too. But then there's that resistance, like, mm, shouldn't I have known that like last week or <laughs> ten years ago? Um, no, that was as open as I knew how to be at the time. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I think that idea, you know, of being in process and a sense of compassion with that is really kind of runs through this entire um, companion project. I love the idea of self-forgiveness in, in connection with, with learning, with giving yourself permission to learn, which begins with permission to say, I don't know. I have no idea. I, sh- I should know. I wish I knew, but I don't know. I have I have no idea. And I think, Carrie, that and I'm sure you agree with this, that to the extent that we can offer ourselves that forgiveness, we can also offer it to other people. Yes. Um, It it just fascinates me. And one of the reasons I love our conversations is that there really is no boundary here between individual truth and paths to growth and societal truth and paths to growth. Mm, they yeah. keep merging into one another. Keep we keep doing the life on the Mobius strip thing, where the inner and outer co-create each other. And the more forgiveness we can enter into the equation for ourselves, the more forgiveness we will have for others. And we really, really need that, rather than freezing either ourselves or our relationships with other people around stuff that's just not working, and that's frankly just not right. I, yeah. I, I yearn for that for everyone, including myself. Yes, and um, I think I've said it before on this podcast. We're living; we've been living in times when we're being asked to be better people. 
than we ever thought we would need to be. And I, I point to myself, you know, on, on that one. And to, to offer and extend that compassion and forgiveness to myself and to offer that to people who are at other places in the process. So yeah. um, it's not always easy. And uh, I don't always do it perfectly, that's for sure. As uh, John Paul Lederach said on one of our other podcasts, it's the horizon line that you keep walking toward. You, you know, it's not that you'll get there, but it's it's an orientation. I just love that when he said that. Yeah. So, and I think about it all the time. You know, that's uh, I'm I'm walking towards someplace, and it's an orientation for my life. Yeah, ain't there yet, but it, I can I can see it. I can see that possibility. You know, I'm I'm suddenly um, remembering uh, a story that I've told you and others a number of times about my experience on the civil rights pilgrimage with the late John Lewis. Mm, yeah. Um, I'll just tell a very short version of it because it's an impactful story for me about this very topic we're discussing. Um, I heard him tell the story of having been beaten nearly to death uh, before Bloody Sunday when he and a colleague were working in South Carolina and some young white men rushed the bus station and beat them bloody with baseball bats. And uh, Mm. they had to find a safe house because no hospital would treat them. They had to heal up and then go about their work. Many years later, um, a man walked into his uh, to John Lewis's office on Capitol Hill and uh, said, Mr. Lewis, I'm, I'm the man who nearly beat you to death 40 years ago, and I've come to apologize. I've come to tell you that not a day in my life has gone by when I haven't realized the profound wrongness of that I've, I've come before I die. I'm an old man now, and I've come to ask your forgiveness. Will you forgive me? And John Lewis, um, generous, open-hearted, ever-forgiving person that he was, stood, he said, I stood, we embraced, we wept, I forgave him, and then we talked. And these two, Elwin Wilson was the white man's name who had once been a member of the Klan, who's now apologizing to this vital black civil rights leader, they, the two of them toured the, their conversation publicly mm-hmm. for a couple of years before Elwin Wilson died to yeah. show people that it could be done. But the punchline for John Lewis's story, as I heard it, as I heard him tell it on the civil rights pilgrimage, was this. He said very quietly, very humbly, he said, People can change. People can change. And those lines are just engraved in my mind and heart. And I remember very vividly the impact that they had. The first wave of impact on me was, oh, good, those people out there that I don't appreciate can change. And then I instantly said, whoa, that's not where this starts. I can change. I can change. And that's where everything begins. So that kind of forgiveness, that kind of blessing, really, 
that John Lewis extended to all of us in that remark um, is powerfully meaningful. And I think it is a, a way through this, this impasse we get to about not just being healed for ourselves, but being transformed for the yeah. sake of the common good. I love that story. I, and I so appreciate um, your response to it in terms of the first response, oh, those people, and then that turning to yourself and saying, ah, I can change too. And I, I really, I love the story, and I love your response. So, yeah, yeah, that idea of being in process. Um, I think we are getting close to the end of our podcast. Um, should, should we do one more song before the close of our podcast? I can, I'll, I'll take all the music I can get, Carrie. You know that. <laughs> and you know me. Just, it's like, oh, just let me sing, and I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Uh, I would like to um, you know, mention to people that this, the album and the book both are published. They'll both be released on September 10th of 2021 um it's you know when this podcast comes out uh, you can pre-order it and it will be uh, out into the world on the 10th yeah it's available on amazon IndieBound, itunes spotify wherever you get your books and music i think you can probably get it at your local small engine repair shop possibly <laughs> and my website <laughs> <laughs> oh yes and your website <laughs> Which, which will soon have a small engine repair section, I believe. If that's, I think so. <laughs> that's right. It might. Okay. It might. Um, but yeah. So maybe maybe going out with a, a little bit of humor, um, the song about, you mentioned about um, wanting to be the person that my dog thinks I am. You know, that, right. yeah, we can get better. We can change. I, can, I could actually be who my dog thinks I am. Let's do it. And woof, woof as we yeah. go. <laughs> Still calls me her very own She doesn't think I need a Nobel Prize I'm just fine in her eyes And heaven help anyone who tries To tell her something less She's just not impressed I'm doing the best I can At least that's what I plan I'm trying to be person that I might all thinks I am There's room to improve My mother used to say Don't let the big dogs get you down Or get in your way It just takes a little spit and shine Little patience, a little time When in doubt, just be kind Even to yourself, Even to yourself. Not just everyone else I'm doing the best I can At least that's what I plan I'm trying to be the person that I might all think I am You 
You've been listening to The Growing Edge with Carrie Newcomer and Parker Palmer. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope you'll check out the next episode. And don't forget to visit our website, newcomerpalmer.com, newcomerpalmer.com, so you can join in the conversation, too. If you like today's show, rate us and leave a review on iTunes. It's the best way to help us reach new audiences and bring more voices into this conversation. All the music you heard on today's show was written by our own Carrie Newcomer. And much gratitude to Gary Walters for performing the song, The Clean Edge of Change. And wild appreciation for Alison Quantz for creative envisioning, direction, production, and because, man, is she a mongrel. Though she's not the sharpest crayon, my dog loves me as I am. Unenlightened or attuned, she still thinks I hang the moon. I thought I might skip the middle of the book. Blow past all those pages without a single look, even when it's hard to see. I'm right where I need to be. We all learn the song to breathe one step at a time. And this step is mine. I'm doing the best I can. At least that's what I plan. I'm trying to be the person that a might all thinks I am.